secret is out, and you're invited to learn the cryptic codes coming right up in the coaching corner on Star Style. Be the star you are with your success sisters, Cynthia Bryan and Libby Gill. Hey, have you got a minute? Huh? I'm going to say a word. You tell me what comes to mind. Are you ready? Okay. Tchaikovsky. Gesundheit. Okay, what's the word? No, see, that is the word. What does Tchaikovsky make you think of? I don't know. Allergy season? Uh, hey there, how you doing? What's up? Who's Martha Graham? She invented the graham cracker. No kidding. Yeah, before her there was only soda crackers. Hard to imagine. Uh, hey young lady? Yeah? Uh, does the name Man Ray mean anything to you? Ta. The man ray is a kind of poisonous jellyfish, and it lives in the Gulf of Mexico. Aha! It's very deadly. Are your kids as well-rounded as they could be? Kids who participate in the arts do better in school and in life. To learn more about the value of arts education, visit americansforthearts.org. Because all kids should get to appreciate Tchaikovsky's music, Martha Graham's dance, and man ray's photography. Art. Ask for more. A public service message brought to you by Americans for the Arts and the Ad Council. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Well, hello, power partners, and welcome to radio's finest hour of power. Star Style, be the star you are. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Libby Gill, and we are the Success Sisters. Yes, we are, and we are thrilled to be your life coaches right here on the airwaves, bringing you the secrets, the success steps, and personal growth help, as well as showcasing amazing authors, experts, and professionals to help you grow and change your life for the better. So get ready to pump that energy, love, learn, laugh, listen, and live your dreams through books and positive media. The show is brought to you by Be The Star You Are, nonprofit corporation. You can go to bethestarur.org. Well, today's show is going to be a high spiritual experience for all of us. In our coaching corner, Libby Gill and I are going to be discussing the principles of the secret. You've all heard about it. It's no secret anymore. And in our second segment, you're going to learn about the incredible uh, musicians and readers that comprise the Psalms Project when Barbara Gork joins us. And in segment three, it's my year inside Radical Islam, which is very interesting with author David Gerenstein-Ross because he travels from Judaism to Islam to Christianity. So a great show for you. Sit back and enjoy. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Libby Gill. For life coaching and presentations, go to LibbyGill.com. Excuse me. I have a little cough, a tickle in my throat today. This is by Henry Miller. And the moment one gives close attention to anything, even a blade of grass, it becomes mysterious, awesome, and magnificent. And isn't that, isn't that really the truth? Let me take a drink of water here. Hold on. Oh, much better. Thank you for holding in there. Well, people everywhere are talking about the secret. It's really now the worst kept secret because it has been on Oprah and it has been all around, but it's, it's truly quite an amazing thing. It's actually a very old law of attraction. And all of us can identify with this 
in our life, whether we think it is uh, is superstition or not. But the exciting thing is, is we're going to talk to about it with you today, so that we're going to let you in on the secret, so you can bring more of it into your life, right, Libby? Right, that's right. You know, it it's really has struck a chord out there. It's it's not really anything new, but the way they've put it together in this book and DVD, it's really compelling, and it makes it really easy for people to understand it. You're having throat problems, aren't you, Cynthia? I am. I have to tell you what a little one little thing that's happened is my son has dropped off his puppy, so I've got three dogs running around <laughs> today. And for some reason, my voice is kind of and my voice is going. But I, but I want to before I go on. You're in Texas, right? You're there right, for your big right. presentation. I'm in Texas for a presentation, and what people don't know about you is you really do live on a farm. I do live on a farm. I totally do. <laughs> this has been one of those definitely farm weeks with all the animals and my pig and all kinds of stuff going on here. But I'm talking about law of attraction. You're definitely bringing into your life what you have set out to, and this is your secret, and I like this that we're talking about the secret today because the law of attraction is something that everybody needs to utilize, get rid of the negative thoughts and the negative words and get it, get start speaking more positive so that they can really achieve what they conceive. Right, and the, the this documentary that came out recently was made by a woman named Rhonda Byrne, who's Australian. She's a television producer there and just got to a point in her life where she needed some help, so she started studying about success and just all the principles that successful people adhere to. And she called all these people into her life and just put together this amazing array of authors and spiritual teachers and, and sort of self, self-help gurus and to talk about this principle called the law of attraction, which is really, really a very simple principle that we've all heard before. What you put out into the world comes back around to you. And the film itself is, is, you know, it's easy to take pot shots at it because it's become so popular and that always sets things up for, you know, for people to, to make light of them. And you know, it's got the production values can be, they're reenactments and sometimes they might seem a little silly, but if you pay attention to what the essence is of what these people are saying, it really packs a big punch. And I've got to tell you, my coaching clients all around the country who are watching this, and I've recommended it to a number of people, have called in to say either they they needed this as a reminder because they understood the principles, but they haven't practiced them for so long, or this was new information for them. And either way, it was like this huge awakening of how powerful we are and what we're able to create for ourselves. Well, I'm I'm in concurrence with you there, Libby. My clients the same way. Everyone is just enchanted by the secret, and mainly for the same reason you said is that it's reawakening something in them that they've heard before. Because, you know, bottom line, there's really nothing new in life. We're kind of rehashing and repackaging old ideas, but we have to learn them several times. And I remember having Brian Tracy on the show mm-hmm. several years ago. Or, you know, seven eight years ago, and he had had this incredible book where he was talking about the different laws of the universe. And one of them was the law of attraction, and basically what you you know put out there, what you really want, you can achieve. And it's interesting, though, that we just have to be reminded. So I think that both of us are recommending as the first success step is 
get the book, read the book, watch the DVD. Right, and get that reminder. And like you said, it's been out there. It goes back to Norman Vincent Peale, you know, with the power of positive thinking. My favorite book, I think, of all time. Yeah, it's really a great book, and the simplicity of it is just really what's so important. And it's it's like in the the secret they compare it to the law of gravity that there are just there there are universal principles that just are. You can ignore them if you want, or you can learn them and, and make use of them. But basically what the law of attraction is, for anybody that's not familiar with that term, what it says is that what you focus on, what you put energy into, whether that's great health, wealth, loving relationships, purposeful work, that's what you're going to get. But if you focus on frustration, fear, stress, ill health, scarcity, all of those things, that's what you'll get. Whether you intend to or not, those are the things that you'll attract into your life. Well, and we both know, I mean, I have a client whose motto is, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. And guess what? She has terrible luck yeah. because it's absolutely what she expects. And I'm, I, my attempts in working with her is to reframe, you know, to claim what's going on, to reframe everything, and to get out of this repetitive, oh, poor me, nobody loves me, I'm going to go eat worms, and I'm only attracting bad things because she is attracting bad things. Well, it's, I mean, you can look at everyday life for all of those examples, you know. Oh, I feel like I'm coming down with something, zip, you get it. The people that repeatedly do that or the, gee, I, I can't, you know, I can't do anything right, and then those are the people that continue to have problems and mistakes. Or one of the, uh, one of the authors in the film, a lady named Lisa Nichols, really said it beautifully because what she said is, when you make a statement about your life, like, for example, my family's crazy, all I have are problems, or like your client who says, all I have is bad luck, when you make those statements, it's just like you're placing an order with the universe as if you were, you know, you were at your diner saying, I'd like scrambled eggs and a cup of coffee. It's the same thing so that you shouldn't be surprised when you, when you send that out there, when you stress about your debt or your weight, and that's what you get back. You start adding on the pounds and you start racking up the bills because you have inadvertently placed an order for that. You know, that is such a powerful message. I mean, and it's so simply stated because this is, it kind of gets back to when people want to get thinner, they'll put a picture of the way they want their body to look or you want the house on the lake and you put a picture on your computer or whatever to remind you. That's the law of attraction. You're doing this, you know, on an unconscious basis because mm-hmm. it's when we're thinking about what it is. I always say what we talk about and think about comes about, and right. that's basically the law of attraction. So the second success step would be to learn the law of attraction, learn what it means to place an order to the universe. Exactly, and listen to your own language. And some one thing that people, they make this distinction quite well in the secret is that we might not realize that when you say, I've got to get out of debt, you may be thinking that's a very positive thing, but you're putting so much energy into debt. Or I gotta lose weight. I gotta lose weight. That you're putting all your energy into weight, 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 as opposed to um, I'm welcome, welcome abundance into my life. I'm, I'm in vibrant health. You know, whatever the positive side of that is, and that's not to be in denial. And that's what the naysayers say. Oh, it's wishful thinking. You're just imagining your way to success, and it's not that at all. Because of course, your your actions have to align with it. 
However, you know, I'm not against imagining yourself to success because if you look at any of the great athletes and Olympians, you will notice that they do a lot of visualization where they actually experience their games or whatever it is they're participating in in advance of it. And the studies have shown that they're more successful than if they went out on the basketball court and practiced for eight hours. That's true. And, you know, the brain scans have shown that it stimulates exactly the same parts of the brain. So it is just as real to their body as it is if they went and shot those baskets. Same for musicians. That's why you can you can practice with your fingers on a table or just imagine that, and it it's as if you're rehearsing at a piano. Oh, see, I see, I find that very very powerful. I was just you know in front of me. I was glad that you mentioned the book, um, The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale, Libby, because I think this is a book that everybody should have in their library. And you know what? Mine is so tattered. You know when mine was printed? I have a 1955 edition. Wow. It's an, it's like one of the first ones. It was originally copyrighted in 52, and I have a third edition. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty old, but, I mean, it's real. It's an important book because, the, again, getting back to the principles of The Secret is that they've been around. It's just that we forget, and we do need to be reminded. So there are certain things that we have to do to invite the universe to send us what we what we really need in a track. Right, there there are specific steps, and they're and they're easier than one might think. You just have to get into the right frame of mind. And what you do is first you ask for what you want, and it might be getting a big chunk of money, you know, getting a big check in the mail. It might be finding a romantic partner. It might be having vibrant, optimum health. And you need to keep it realistic. So I would encourage every, all of our listeners to, to think about what they want to ask for. By the end of this, we're all going to come up with what we're asking for. Now keep it realistic. And, and specific, I would also add. Yeah. Realistic and specific. You know, I mean, if you only made $5,000 last year, don't say you're going to make $5 million this year unless you know of the, uh, some secret that, you know, is going to happen to you. Yeah, you're ready to take huge action. Yeah, because then you defeat yourself by, by not believing it. And that's the second step. You have to believe that you can have it. You have to have an unwavering faith that if you say, I'm expecting a check in the mail, I'm expecting a check for $15,000, I have an unwavering belief that with all the energy and actions I've taken, somebody's going to call me and say, we need you to do whatever, and there's $15,000 in it for you. So whatever that is, you need to really believe completely that you're going to have it. And then the third step is to be ready to receive those feelings. So go about your day as if you've got that check or as if, you, as if you've got that brand new car. So when you sit behind the, the wheel of your old, you know, your old worn out car that you've got, imagine that when you grab that steering wheel that it's your brand new Porsche or whatever it is you want. And then go a step further so that you can really experience those feelings. Uh, go test drive a new car. And that's what I was going to say. Actually, go down and sit in the new car. Or you know, take it out for a spin. Yeah. Or go to an open house of, you know, your mansion and tour it just imagining that this is your house. Uh, write out that check to yourself and post it on your bulletin board. So well, we you... all know that story of Jim Carrey. Exactly, exactly. Is that what you were thinking of, too? Is right. He wrote out that check that, you know, that he what he was going to get, and sure enough, it happened. So right. 
He was, he, that was the law of attraction, and he was determining that this is what he wanted. He was working hard to get it, and he got it. So what I want everybody to do, and I've, I've got a column coming up about this in, in my Dallas Morning News column pretty soon, and what I'm asking my readers to do, and I'd love it if our listeners did this as well, is to, to really take those three steps. Think of something specific and realistic and ask for it. Now, you have to really ask for it, either out loud, tell somebody else, write it down, cut out a picture and put it on the fridge or on your computer, but ask for what you want. And then be prepared to really believe that you can have it. Set aside, suspend any disbelief you have. And every morning when you wake up, focus on that that check, that romantic partner, whatever it is you want, as if you've got it. And then finally, feel those feelings all day long and remind yourself how great it feels to have that check or that, that new mate in your life or whatever, your new car, and really let yourself feel it. Because the point they make in The Secret is that there's no distinction between real things and the energy of our thoughts. Well, and it's that ability to receive, which is difficult. So it is kind of that conceive, believe, achieve, said in ask for what you want, believe in it, and then be able to receive it. So step three of the law of attraction is to really put the law of attraction to work in your life by asking believing, and receiving. So let's recap those three uh, success steps that you have given us for learning the secret, and we can all have the secret if we follow these steps. Well, first, get hold of the book or the DVD and really study it and learn it. If there are other books that, that appeal to you, like Norman Vincent Peale's, read that. Just get to understand, and the second step, understand what the law of attraction is and the language and how you can put it to use in your life. And then third, what I'd like everybody to do to, to put it to use right now, to put it to work in your life, is to send an email to us. You can send it to me at asklibby at libbygill.com and put in the subject line, My Secret. And then what we'll do is I'll post it on my website, what your secret is. That is what you asked for. And let's give it a month and really focus on it for one month. And at the end of the month, we'll share what's transpired, who's gotten what they've asked for, what they learned about themselves, how the secret manifested in their lives. That is a fantastic idea. So ask Libby at LibbyGill.com and put in the subject line, my secret, and then Libby's going to write about it. We're going to give it up four weeks, and Libby will be chronicling this in her Dallas Morning News column because she's doing a whole thing on the secret. Because I know, Libby, that you have brought things into your life. You wrote about it in Traveling Hopefully. You left your baggage behind, and you decided to focus on what you really wanted, and you got it. So let's uh, do just a quick a quick check-in. How's your health this week? I want to keep you accountable, Lib. It's, it's pretty good. I've been doing at least half an hour a day of something, walking weights or something. Did so. you start anything new or not yet? No, as soon as I get back from Dallas, I'll start that. That's on my calendar for this Monday. Was the, this was the heavy crunch, is doing this big presentation. Right. So. We know you're going to be fabulous. Oh, you're going to blow them you. all away. You're all, you are so good. Well, I've had a great week. I've been really on track again. I had a little glitch with one of my animals, got sick over the weekend, and that's always hard on, you know, hard because you love your animals so much. But it didn't affect uh, my health. It was just my animal's health. But today I'm babysitting not only my dogs but a new puppy. And what I think is so fun is how youth brings another energy to some of the old animals around, and I was thinking how that really manifests itself 
in my own life, as I love when I'm working with kids and young people because they bring a freshness to the table. So get around some kids. That's another good thing for everyone. Wouldn't you agree, Libby? Always. I love working in my kids' classrooms. I know. It's fun. It's really fun, and it just keeps us on track. Well, thank you for this great session. This was the information about the secret. Make sure you ask for what you want, believe in it, and be able to receive because everyone can learn the law of attraction. For more information about coaching or booking Libby as a speaker, go to LibbyGill.com. We would love you to write AskLibby at LibbyGill.com and put in the subject line, The Secret, to find out more about what you're doing to uh, get the law of attraction. For more information about Cynthia Bryan, which is me, go to CynthiaBryan.com. So you have been listening to Cynthia Bryan. And Libby Gill, and we're the Success Sisters. And we love coaching you. So stay with us every week right here in the Coaching Center for more great information. Libby, go knock them dead, girlfriend. <laughs> okay, you too. And, and all of you stay with me. I've got a great segment coming up. We have the Psalms Project. It is fabulous. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan, Libby Gill on Star Style. Be the star you are. We're back in a minute. I show where you are. Let the music start. World Talk Radio. Never give up. Never give in. The ones who. The Riverside Arts Guild and Word Up Communications present the Psalms Project, a spoken word recording of the Book of Psalms. You don't want to miss this. Coming up with Cynthia Bryan on Star Style. Be the star you are right after this. The star you are, the star you are. I'm Mary Hart, and this is Empowering America. She was born in Newark, New Jersey in 1924. She was blessed with a beautiful voice, and by 19, young Sarah had entered and won an amateur hour contest at Harlem's famous Apollo Theater. A year later, singer Billy Eckstein invited her to join his new group, featuring the legendary Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, and Miles Davis. Sarah, now nicknamed Sassy, dazzled all with the amazing flexibility of her voice. At 20 years old, she cut her first record and was fast becoming a legend among her fellow musicians. She joined Mercury Records in 1954 and embarked on the most prolific years of her career. Over the next three decades, Sassy toured the world and cut more records, her last in 1987. Three years later, in 1990, Sarah Sassy Vaughn passed away, leaving a gaping hole in the world of music. Empowering America is sponsored by the Foundation of American Women in Radio and Television and is made possible by the generous support of AT&T, caring for the communities where we live and work. Listen. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Be the Star You Are brings you the authors and experts that enhance and inspire your life. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth at risk through improved literacy and positive message programming just like this radio show. Please get involved. Visit bethestarur.org. Well, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am your personal growth success coach. And the next segment is really fascinating. The Psalms have been a standard of songwriting and lyrical poetry in the West and the East for over 3,000 years. But it took Barbara Groak with her company, Word Up Communications, 
to help us rediscover the source of the psalms and to put it into the spoken word with music and a variety of languages and really make it more contemporary for today's user. Well, Barbara is with us today. She's going to discuss what it is that they're doing. Hello, Barbara. Hello from New Jersey. All the way from New Jersey. <laughs> I Listen, when I listen to the CD of the Psalms, it's actually worldwide. I suppose that the people who are voicing it are right here in New Jersey. Yes, However, they the, they're coming from uh, every continent um, in the world. Right. We represent every continent, but all five continents. Uh, we figure Australia is covered with the English, so uh, we don't have an Australian accent. Well, well, that doesn't mean that you won't. Now that we're putting it out there, we're talking about the law of attraction. Maybe we need That's to right. attract an Australian yeah. accent, huh? That's right. <laughs> well, you, you know, one of the things that tickled me that you talked about with the Psalms Project is that you say that all of us are in this divine comedy called life. We're all in this together. And I'm the, a big reader the, of Dante. I did a lot of reading of Dante years ago. Yeah, I like I like Dante's. Dante's Inferno is a little frightening, but it is. We I, well, you get, once you get to paradise, you're doing better. I think that what well, exactly we, we're going to be we're going to do the paradise stuff here. That's right. I think what you're doing with this psalm is that you're really uniting the voices of the world because the psalms resonate with everyone. That this is it's exactly. like all religions can relate to the psalms, whether you are. Um, uh, Jewish, or you study right. Islamic, or whether it's Christian, or right. you know, and even Buddhist, whatever. There's the Psalms are historical. They well, they're three thousand years old. They, of course, the source is in the Hebrew, and of course, the Christians, both the West and the East, uh, use it thoroughly. Uh, and of, um, the Mor- the Muslims, the Mormons uh, acknowledge David as a prophet. Uh, so, so this has a long history. Um, it's had innumerable musical settings, um, uh, big orchestral settings to smaller, quieter, liturgical settings, and uh, um, we're just here to make our little contribution. Well, I, I, let's get back to that contribution. Give us the background on why you decided to take the 150 psalms, put them to music as well as to a reading, and you've done them in English plus these other uh, various languages. Right. And I found, found it a very comforting. You know, one of the things that I did with it, and I, I'm sure that you're having uh, lots of response from this, Barbara, is I enjoyed just putting the CD on as if it was background music and background inspiration. That's right. That's, uh, that's why how uh, I hope people will use it. Um, while they're traveling in their cars, while they're jogging, while they're working around the house uh, at the end of a long day. Um, so, yes, I I, uh, I guess we could say um, there are just certain universal truths that are true any in any era, and uh, uh, David and the Psalms really sums up a lot of what we're going through today uh, as far as internal enemies, external enemies, uh, so... Well, you know, it's, it is fascinating, isn't it, that we can have writings, and of course the Psalms are attributed to David, right. and as you said, they go back 3,000 years, and mm-hmm. at da- this is the David who slew Goliath. That's right. And, uh, you got it. 
Yeah, this is that, that David that we all know about who later became a king, had to run uh, run from King Saul at, at one point. Who That's was, right. Because he was, he was running from Saul at one point, and then later on when he himself was king, he was running from his own son for a while there. Which is, which, when you look and listen to the stories, um, that are in the Psalms, it really does relate to what we all are going through today. We, st- all of us still have issues with our kids. There's always someone who's jealous of us. It seems that That's one right. day we're king and then the next day we're the pauper. <laughs> Whether or not we have cell phones and microwave ovens and cars, uh, we still have these other problems as well. Yeah, I, we haven't gotten back, we haven't resolved the issues of the soul. I think that's, and that's mm-hmm. what I found in listening to the, the um, Psalm Project by the Riverside Arts Guild. That's what I found that it was soothing to my soul. It was like a champagne for the spirit. You know? <laughs> it was, no, it was. Oh, I'm happy to hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how we, that we, we try, we, we are focusing, we're, we're addressing grown-ups. Um, we are a bunch of experienced people, and we're, uh, the musicians are experienced people. Uh, so uh, we are addressing people who've had experience in life, uh, and we'll recognize some of the situations that David described. Right, now, you have already recorded music for all 150 songs, although yes. Yes. what I understand, you're releasing CDs in kind of a staggering basis. That's right, a staggered releases over a couple of years. Uh, it'll, uh, we'll, we're about to uh, finish our uh, second CD called Psalms for Warriors. Um, a lot of people, is, a lot of people would think that uh, religion is for people who sit around and twiddle their thumbs, but <laughs> there's a bunch of psalms that have um, uh, a wartime setting, and, and there's a we've put 15 of them together, and they'll be Many coming out. Many of the psalms are spring. actually warrior type, you know, warrior type psalms. Well, the people that are doing the music and doing the reading, do they also come from a variety of uh, religions? I know they come from different countries. We have a couple people who are unaffiliated, actually, uh, as well as affiliated. We have a, uh, an ecumenical group of uh, readers and musicians. Um, one guitarist is from Brazil. One guitarist is from. Uh, Riverside, New Jersey, and they kind of uh, learned each other's culture uh, through the music um, during this project. So the, the guy from Riverside sounds like he's from Brazil uh, uh, with the music he plays and the style he's playing, and the, and the guy from Brazil sounds like he's from the Appalachian Mountains. So that's something. I mean, uh, so they had fun kind of exchanging ideas and, and musical styles there. Which also, I think, is a point of what your mission is on, in creating this psalm project, is unity in the world, is joining, all, joining people from every background, from every religion, from every ethnicity, and letting yes. them know that, again, we're all one, and that we all That's have Absolutely one. correct, yes. It doesn't matter really what we believe, because, you know, we're all the same, we're all human beings. Yes, we all have the same... Problems. The same. Each culture has, deals with a similar, uh, similar set of problems, and they have their own ways of uh, dealing with it. Um, now, when so. you talk about God uh, in the Psalms, mm-hmm. when you're reading, doing the readings, you do refer to God with the pronoun He. Yes. Right. Through That's the whole, right. Throughout the whole thing. Now, our translation is the New Revised Standard Version. Some people 
find there are, are very important uh, with the translation, what, the, what translation they're using, New Revised Standard Version, and um, this is the one that uses humankind for mankind yes, instead it's of mankind. Inclusive. It's more it, inclusive, right? They're all inclusive, but uh, then we use the, the male pronoun for God, uh, so, you know, it's still traditional in that way. So it has it has a basis both in the classical versions, but also it does include men and women when you're talking about this. That's, yes. Yes. Now, um, the where are people getting the CD? Now, do they do they need to go to your website? Your website is Word Up Communications with an S. Word Up W O R D U P Communications dot com. But is it also available in other markets? Uh, you can start at Word Up Communications, and uh, that'll take it to CD Baby um, Market. You know, the CD Baby online store, um, almost on Amazon. Not quite there yet, but um, CD Baby is a good independent music and uh, publishers um, website, and they have uh, secure. You can buy online securely with your credit card and so forth. Okay, or, you, so or you can use there's a phone number there also where you can order online. I'm also on iTunes and a few of the other uh, digital file websites. Oh, that's can, good. Oh, so you that's can, good um, download a single if you want. So. so you can just even get a one or two of the songs and then right. you just download it to your iPod then, right? Yeah, so we, we are on um, iTunes. Yes, to your iPod. Uh, we have iTunes and a bunch of other ones like uh, Muse and uh, Napster, Nifty. Sony Connect, a bunch of other ones, too. Great indie music. Well, I think what the best thing will send the people to Word Up Communications. Mm -hmm. And, of course, if they know the name of the CD is called the Riverside Arts Guild, The Psalms Project, mm -hmm. and that you, way they can, when it does get on Amazon on other places, they can find it there as well. You can Google either the Riverside Arts Guild or The Psalms Project, and that will take you to either my site or the CD Baby site. Now, um, when you were doing the Psalms and you chose these different languages, mm -hmm. was there a reason that you chose the certain languages? I mean, many of the languages I, you know, understood the Spanish and the French, you know, of course. But and then I could I understood there was Portuguese. But then you have some languages that I didn't even <laughs> know about. Well, right, Yoruba from Nigeria. These are just people from my neighborhood in South Jersey. And we have uh, a bunch of new African citizens, and we have uh, many Filipino uh, citizens that have been here for a generation or so uh, by now. So we have Tagalog from the Philippines and uh, Yoruba from Nigeria. Uh, there is one from East Africa called Tigrinya, which is from Eritrea. It's one of nine languages in this one little country of Eritrea, uh, which is, and that is a, it's called Tigrinya, and it's, sort of in the Arabic family. I was wondering what that language was because I didn't even know about that country. That's right. Is, is, that yeah. a re is that a newly named country? It's a fairly new, probably in the last 10 years. I know it used to be part of Ethiopia, and there's been a, there had been a little war over there, and there's still a little trouble over there right now. They're right next to Somalia, so I know they're having a little trouble on their, uh, you know, but you also are politically. You also have Greek and Polish Greek. and Russian and oh, and Absolutely. Hebrew. You ha actually you do the yes. original Hebrew. Yes, we have, we have some Hebrew speakers in our neighborhood too. Although uh, the speaker that we we got is a Native American, uh, so we have Hebrew and, and also a Greek, a Greek American speaker. 
uh, and the Polish. And, uh, so, so, and the Russian, and the Russian. So that covers, these are all fairly new citizens. Uh, one, uh, the our Polish uh, guy has been here since the 60s. Um, but, uh, uh, but others have just been here in the last few years. Well, what I think exciting is that when you hear the, when you hear the Psalms and you hear, hear them first in English and then you hear the um, additional language, it just, it kind of transports you to another land. And to me, that's what made the Psalms so lyrical. And then the music in the background is so beautiful. Tell me about some of the instruments that your uh, musicians are using. Um, uh, just this, uh, just a standard guitar. Uh, we're not using, um, anything fancy uh, this time around. Next time, our Psalms for Warriors, we have a Capoeira group. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Capoeira uh, drum group. Um, so that's kind of interesting sounding. But uh, we're just, just a standard guitar. Um, but they sound, uh, the, the, we have a very good guitarist, two very good yeah, well, guitarists. Well, it sounded like, you know, it sounded like more than a guitar. So it must really? be different tracks, I guess. Uh, no, we when we just a, well. I'm glad. I mean, it really. I mean, it sounds. I, I they got know, nimble fingers. That's all I can say. Yeah. Well, very good. That's really. That is really definitely amazing. Do you have any of the uh, any favorite songs? Oh golly, I like 37. Uh, that's a soothing one. Um, 41's kind of feisty. You know, um, that, maybe you want to talk about that, Barbara, for a moment, is mm-hmm. that the psalms are not titled. They're not named. All the psalms are numbered. Right. If you want to get, um, if you want to get a particular one, they, ha- they are all numbered. They are not titled. But usually people will give the, the uh, number and maybe the first line. Uh, some of the psalms are very similar to each other, and, uh, but only, that only happens a couple of times where they're similar, so similar to each other that the first line is almost exactly the same. But uh, that hardly ever happens. Um, so, yeah. Um. Now, when you were talking about the staggered releases, so you're going to be doing, you have the Psalms for Warriors, then you're going to be doing in Psalms for Creative Power. Can we just kind of go through what you're, how you're planning to release the different ones? Uh, let me so people see. know what to expect. Uh, we have, uh, we have a, 150 Psalms divided by 10, so that's 15 on each CD. And we go by theme, so I have, let's see, uh, Creative Power, Warriors, uh, Psalms for Leaders, Psalms of Endeavor, which uh, is geared toward workers, uh, workers of all kinds, Psalms for Exiles, uh, Psalms of Faith, Trust, and Patriotic Pride, Psalms of Community, Psalms of Wonder and Endurance, Psalms of complaint and renewal, and maybe we'll get a complete psalms uh, altogether, one to one hundred fifty. But I don't know if we'll get that far. We'll see if we get that far, and then we'd like to put out one with this strictly music, just the musical background. And you are making a contribution to charity as well, right? Did you want to yes. mention that? We have um, uh, the Special Olympics. I'm going toward the Special Olympics, and then the Father Tegleski is one of our speakers. Uh, he's the one from Eritrea, and we have we are uh, contributing to the ANSIBA project. Let's say that is, sounds great too, because you know the people need so much help. So Special Olympics, you have two charities you're working yes. with. Well, the name of the project is the Psalms Project by the Riverside Arts Guild, and you want to go to the website. It is fascinating what you're doing. I just applaud you, Barbara, and all. Well, thank you very much. And, 
and uh, readers and leaders, you're all truly leaders. And cool. that website is www.wordupcommunications.com. And uh, no, I mean, it, it is a word up is like a slang, right? But That's right. I know it's from hip hop. I'm not African American, but uh, I just use, I'm just using, uh, since we're a spoken word group, uh, uh, we're just playing with the word word. Yeah, it was a, that's so. a very cool thing. So wordupcommunications.com, and again, the CD is the Psalms Project. You can download to your iPod, you can download all the Psalms, one Psalm, however that's you right. like it, but you, it's so, it's so enjoyable, and it, it just gives you a really good feeling for the day, and you can listen in just as background music as well. So, Barbara, well, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Cynthia, for having me. You are. Oh, this has been great. What a fascinating project you're doing. I, I applaud your work. And thank you. Please tell all your people congratulations. It, they, it's just so professional and so beautiful. So I wish you much success. Thank you very much. You're welcome. The Psalms Project, www.wordupcommunications.com. And you goodbye from New Jersey. And from New Jersey. You go, Jersey girl. <laughs> You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan's Star Style. Be the star you are. Stay with us. We're going inside radical Islam when we come back. The choice is in your heart and is I'm sure Judaism to radical Islam to Christianity, David Gartenstein Ross shares his year inside radical Islam. Very fascinating memoir coming right up on Star Style. Be the star you are with Cynthia Bryan. Hey, what does this word make you think of? Tchaikovsky. So what's the word? No, that is the word. You lost me. All right, who's Martha Graham? She invented the graham cracker. Before her, there was only soda crackers. Maybe they're not getting enough art. Kids who participate in the arts do better in school and in life. To learn more, visit americansforthearts.org. Because all kids should get to appreciate Tchaikovsky's music and Martha Graham's dance. Art. Ask for more. A public service message brought to you by Americans for the Arts and the Ad Council. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Voicemail is a part of our business and personal culture today, so before you call someone, prepare the message you wish to leave. Always state your full name, the name of your company, a complete message, and your telephone number. Never assume that the person will know who you are by your first name, and never say, oh, you already have my number. If you wish to receive a return phone call, make sure to state the reason that you're calling and state it clearly. If it's a sales call, leave a business benefit that you can provide. It's been my experience that it's best to repeat your phone number at the end of your message just in case calls are being picked up from a cell phone and the person couldn't understand you the first time around. So think before you're speaking and make voicemail your best communication tool. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style with another business bite. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am your personal growth expert, Cynthia Bryan, and this program is brought to you under the species of Be the Star You Are charity, a 501c3 dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth 
breakthrough improved literacy and positive media programming like this one, trying to make a connection, a communication, and bring the world together. Well, what is it like to be Jewish, then embrace Islam, get involved with radical practices, and then convert to Christianity? David Gartenstein Ross vividly and virtually retells his experiences in his book, My Year Inside Radical Islam. Welcome, David, to Be the Star You Are. Thank you very much. It is a pleasure to join you. Now, do you like to be, is it called David or David? It's David. David. Okay. You have quite a mouthful of a name here. (coughs) It, It was absolutely fascinating to read how you grew up Jewish, uh, in Ashland, Oregon, with a family, your parents were very liberal and embracing of whatever it is that you wanted to do with your life. And then while you were in college, you got, in, got involved in Islam traditions, not really realizing that you were quickly slipping into the radical side. And then in the end, you ended up converting to Christianity. So you've kind of really had an interesting, um, an interesting travel here. And you chronicle this in your new memoir, My Year Inside Radical Islam. So at the age of 23, you became a devout believer in Islam. Talk to us about this uh, journey. Yeah. Um, my parents, as you said, um, you know, they, they raised me um, in a way where they were accepting of w- whatever I wanted to do. And in particular, consonant with that, my parents were very much, um, they, they thought there was wisdom in a large number of religious traditions, encouraging me to find my own way. <clears throat> and ultimately, I found that through Islam when I was in college. Um, it was in college that I met, met um, my first friend who was a practicing Muslim, um, someone who's actually a dear friend of mine to this day. And you dedicated the book in part to him? In, indeed I did. Uh, his name is Al-Hussein Madhani. And um, you know, when I converted, uh, I practiced a very moderate and uh, progressive form of Islam. Uh, I didn't begin to accept radical beliefs until <coughs> after college. Uh, it was then that I took a job with the Al-Haramain Islamic Foundation, which was an international Wahhabi charity, uh, Wahhabism being Saudi Arabia's very austere brand of Islam. And um, their, their headquarters was in my hometown of Ashland, Oregon. So I went back there to work. Uh, this was pre-9-11, when Wahhabism wasn't on the tips of people's tongues the way it is today. And so I knew that the, their practice of Islam would be more conservative than mine. What I didn't realize was that eventually... Uh, I ended up um, uh, would end up embracing many of their views, uh, conservative and even radical views that I never thought uh, I would have come to embrace. Well, what I found so interesting, David, is here from college you had met this lovely young lady named Amy. You were obviously in love with her, but your study is Islam was not going to allow you to be in the same room with her. You couldn't shake hands. You couldn't touch. I mean, and so anything that you did together, you were always feeling guilty. I mean, fortunately, she hung in there through thick and thin. But there were so many rules to your studies, the length of your pants, you know, whether you ate with your right hand, uh, uh, the, <laughs> that, that your story about going to the gym and your shorts were too short. It, it, it drove me crazy. How did you stand it? Well, yeah, it was a very rules-based practice once I got out to Al-Haramain. And that was a practice that initially, when I became Muslim, um, I didn't know at all. Um, It was, you know, and really, it was this rules-based practice that you describe, which was kind of a step on the way to accepting more radical views. 
Um, at first, as I became more rules-based, um, some of the rules seemed silly at first, but eventually as I came to follow them more and more, I came to see the rationale behind them. And well, you write that in the book, that you saw the rationale. I, I have to admit, I never saw the rationale behind it, but is that because I'm just way too Western? I mean, uh, you know, it was, it was so interesting for me to think of you on how you had grown up and now you've become Muslim, and then the interacting with all these people that so many practices that we in the Western culture take as um, take for granted, there are not allowed in the Muslim culture, or or at the very least, they, they're not allowed within the branch of the faith that I was following. Maybe that's it. And, yeah. and because let's distinguish between different forms of Islam. You know, there are plenty of Muslims who will do all the things that you talk about, ranging from you know willingly shaking hands with members of the opposite sex to listening to music and the like. These are things that within this particular branch that I was following, Wahhabism, which purported to be the one true Islam, that's something that's followed within that branch of the faith. But these are no, no, by no means universally adhered to among Muslims. We, and you know, when you say that one true branch of the faith, and uh, one true God, etc., it seems that all different, all religions have this fundamentalist, radical part to them, where they all believe they are the one true. And if you step foot in anyone else's uh, synagogue or temple or mosque or or church, you are committing a great crime. The, the the thing that horrified me, and when you did decide to separate from the radical part was that whole idea that if you um, move out of Islam that you must be now killed. Right. This is a traditional teaching within the faith and one that was very much uh, subscribed to at least intellectually within the group that I worked for. We distributed literature which mentioned in a very offhand fashion that those who leave Islam are worthy of death and there was, when I was Muslim, had, I had a fairly lengthy discussion with a visiting scholar who put forward the idea that those who leave Islam should be killed. Uh, so this was something that uh, that certainly worried me as I was on my way out. I would think so. Well, and it was very troublesome to me when you were there with Pete when you were working inside the um, the charity, this, the quote-unquote charity that was supposed to be helping things. And because his, he had divor- his wife had become Muslim and then went back to Christianity, you were talking or you were all having a discussion around the children and one who's only 11 years old talking about how the mother needs to be put to death now. That was horrifying. I can imagine now a child must, what that kind of fear must be. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, there were a lot of frightening things that went on inside. And I think that, uh, to me, one of the things I hope people will uh, draw from the book, as you said, <clears throat> for you, it may have been a little bit difficult to uh, get the entirety of, of you know, to, to, to empathize with, with all the steps along the way. But I think that it's a process that's increasingly important for us to understand. And the reason for that is, as you have men like John Walker Lind or Adam Gadon, guys who come from a Western background but come to sympathize with and even take up action on the part of the enemy, it's important to understand how people get to that point. Because if we don't understand ideologically how people can come to sympathize with those who oppose us and oppose what we stand for, then we'll have a hard time really effectively, in my view, engaging in the war of ideas. Well, how well said, because now then what happened is you go to, to law school in New York, you're practicing still, but then you slowly start getting interested in Christianity, or you start searching again, you start thinking that something not is missing, and then eventually what you you do 
change to Christianity. And after 9-11, you are now actually working in the fight against terrorism. Yeah, that's that's correct. And, you know, one thing, the experiences have not left me with an impression that Islam is inherently radical. Um, in fact, you know, the, the book de- demonstrates a path to radicalism, but there's much more to Islam than that. And one thing that I think is important is in this post-9-11 world, understanding, you know, understanding the, the, the many faces of this faith, because, you know, at, at this point, it's something that those who are interested in world affairs have to engage in intellectually. And I certainly hope that my book makes a contribution to uh, improving people's understanding. Well, I think that's exactly what your book does, is that it, what I got from it is that if we can't understand one another, we'll never be able to be one or to get along or to have peace in the world. So we really need to understand the different cultures and the different viewpoints and just the different way that that children are raised and then what they grow up to believe. But it must have been shattering for you when you realized after 9-11 that this very um, industry, these, the very people you worked with, had something to do with it. Right. Well, it wasn't so much to do with, with 9-11. I mean, the, the, the charity I worked for has been designated a specially designated global terrorist entity and two of the directors uh, indicted. Uh, for we were working more with, um, what's it called in Russia, the church? Chur- right, the, the Chechen Mujahideen. Chechen, yeah, I can't even pronounce it but right. The, the ideology um, was certainly, it, uh, certainly the ideolo- ideology that I came to subscribe to on the inside at Al-Haramain was one that tracked fairly closely with the ideology that Al-Qaeda, for example, would put forward. And the fact that I'd had this ideology in common was certainly a, a, both a disturbing thing and um, it was also something that made me feel that it was important to try to help people understand the ideological aspects of this battle. Well, and, and you did end up marrying Amy, and now you've been married, what, five or six, five years? Yep, coming up on, on six years this June. Six years, six years. And, uh, again, she was supportive through all these different changes that she saw you, you go through, and she is also a, um, went into law school. From what I understand, is she a lawyer as well? Yeah, she, she's working at the Department of Justice now, and I've, I've said before, and uh, will will always maintain that she must be the most patient woman on the face of this earth. I would maintain that as well. I think that what you went through was very fascinating. But what's the wonderful thing about your journey is what has transpired now, and how you are able to understand the different ideologies and bring those to help with our country. I thought it was fascinating, too, that when you went to law school that many of your friends in the uh, Muslim world were like, well, you can't go to law school because then you'll have to defend the Constitution. And, and that, I, your, your epilogue at the end I thought was quite interesting, you know, that how, it all, how everything turned out and everything came back to kind of square one where... You really, you're, you're doing exactly what you need to be doing, and you've written a book that can help us learn more about how other people are thinking. Well, well, thank you very much. I certainly appreciate it. Well, let's give out a website so people can know how to get your book and find out more about it. Do you uh, want to give out your website? Yeah, absolutely. My website is uh, davidgr.com. That's uh, www.davedgr.com. 
there's a, a link to my, my book on Amazon from there, as well as uh, information about how to contact me if anybody's interested in you know pursuing discussion of uh, of these issues. I, I generally try to respond to reader email. Oh, that's well, wonderful. How? What's next for you now in this light? Are you going to be writing a a sequel to this? Um, are you doing any kind of work that you know you want it, you can share with us? Well, what, what, my big project right now, actually, is trying to build bridges between the Muslim community and the community that I'm a part of, the counterterrorism community, uh, because I feel that, that right now there's a lot of mutual misunderstanding, and I feel that both are both communities are poorer for it. Um, and you know, in, in particular, uh, trying to engage quite a bit with uh, moderate Muslims in the U.S., uh, because I, I think that right, a, a lot of times the picture of Islam that's filtered out is is not is not reflective of the entire thing. And certainly in my book, I was just trying to encapsulate one small facet of Islam in America. Uh, and I'm, I'm interested in engaging it from uh, you know, a, a different direction to help draw out uh, an even fuller picture moving forward. Well, see, that it's all very important things because, especially and now, I mean, again with all the profiling that is going on. I know people are fear, you know, are fearful, and it's a terrible thing when we have to live with fear. So somehow if we can understand one another in a more open way, it would be uh, much better. I have to just ask you one thing on a personal level because at the back of your book you have a glossary of all the different, you know, words and all this. How did you learn all the different prostrations and all the rules? There were so many rules. I was just in shock of all the rules. I would have been a mess. I would have not been able to do all these things. <laughs> well, I, I think eventually uh, trying to follow all of the rules made me a mess as well. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's why you ended up going back. Well, actually, you didn't go back. You started. You went into a whole new, a whole new uh, area in embracing Christianity. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing that working for a Wahhabi charity and coming to accept its worldview as your own can do for you, it is spur a spiritual crisis, which is exactly the point I was at after a, a year of law school. And and how do you feel now? Is the crisis over, or is it a continual journey? Well, I mean, I, I think the two are, are not inconsistent. I would certainly say that the crisis is over, but uh, I think that engagement with the world is a continual journey. I, I think that, you know, it's it's rare that you'll ever achieve perfect answers. Oh, absolutely. How true happen. is that? Well, David, you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you for giving us a view inside of your year inside Radical Islam, and thank you for sharing how all of us need to embrace the religions of the world and try to understand each other more. So go to uh, David's, uh, David's website for more information. And again, his book is My Year Inside Radical Islam. Thank you, David, for being a guest on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And for all of you out there, thank you for being great listeners. And go to my website, CynthiaBryan.com, for more information, or Be the Star You Are for more information about the charity. And until we celebrate next week, our aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, and motivate. Cherish the past, dream of the future, but celebrate in the now. You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style, and until next week, be the star you are. Thanks for listening. Be the star you are. Show the whole wide world your smile. Be the lucky star you are.